0: You know, the culture is actually damn good.
1: Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Hey, where y'all
2: This is Trafalgar Square.
1: Come
2: aboard! Mr. Mrs. North of South America, all the ships at sea, let's go to Press.
1: Have you been
2: drinking? It hey, was a good show, huh? During the workday, when you feel possessed by amorous intent, may I suggest
1: that you suppress it? Hey. 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 How you doing?
3: Let's get in the conference room. I would like to invite everyone into the conference room. I would like to have a meeting in the conference room right
2: now. I know for a fact that nobody in the Parks Department reads letters.
1: Does everybody have to be crazy today? Now get me,
2: Sabian! Sportsjourney.com radio network is on the air. Welcome on in. Bob Matthews here with you. Delighted you have joined us. It's an off day for the team, at least for the players. But that doesn't mean that we don't have stuff to do. As a matter of fact, in just a few minutes, we are going to check in with Washington insider, former Old Dominion University offensive lineman Robbie Duncan, prolific tweeter of knowledge and information about the team. He's going to be joining us in a few minutes as we get ready. For Sunday, 1 o'clock at FedEx Field against the Seattle Seahawks. First time Washington is facing Seattle since 2017. That game wound up pretty well. It was a 17-14 victory for the Burgundy and Gold. So if Washington can win this week, it would be the first win at home against the Seahawks since 2005. I think I was actually at that game, and I want to say that Seattle hit uh, hit the, the goalpost trying to kick a game-tying field goal. But don't hold me to it. I could be wrong on that. The Burgundy and Gold have won four straight games. If they win this weekend, that makes it five straight. First time that has happened since 2012. And the RG3 season And uh, Washington is, been, is uh, 130 and 125 in the month of December. 22 and 21 in week 15. As you know, December has has been a a pretty good month for Washington over the last, say, 10 years or so. Uh, Relatively speaking, I mean, if they're going to go on a run sometime and make a push for the postseason, they've always gotten it done in December. So what does this game hold this week? How are things going? Can they Can they keep it going? Uh, Let's discuss, and uh, let's hear a little bit more about what Ron Rivera thought of things yesterday from uh, the meeting with uh, all of us on Zoom. So somebody, if you will, please, cue that dramatic music for me. I think we've all had a chance to go back and watch the coach's tape now. Very, very impressive what we saw against San Francisco, and that was one of the things that we asked Ron Rivera yesterday. What did he see on tape when he went back in and rewatched the game? Tempo, he said. That was a big thing. I noticed that too. This team has started in the last few weeks to play really, really fast.
0: Um, the tempo at which we played, uh, I, I was really pleased with the with the speed, uh, the quickness uh, that was out there. Um, and for the most part in all three phases, um, I I thought there were some really good things when you watched the way we covered the punts. um, I thought those guys were were, were outstanding. Offensively, I I liked the tempo and the rhythm. Um, I liked the way we came out. I I thought there were some real positive things. Um, I liked the the start of the second half with the offense. A little disappointed uh, with our tempo uh, as far as the offense was concerned in the fourth quarter. I, I think I think we didn't match the 49ers uh, for a couple of series. And, and, and that stood out to me a little bit. Um, defensively, I thought uh, we had some moments where we, we lapsed a little bit with our run defense. We got we, we got a little, we got a, little um, um, a little anxious and, and, and got out of our creases. Uh, we, we tried to force plays to happen. We got caught with two guys in the same gap. But having said that, I thought their energy, I thought their tempo throughout the game was what we needed. Um, a little disappointed on some of the, the mental mistakes we made, um, the undisciplined mistakes we made. Uh, you know, we, we get a 15 yard penalty on a, on a third down where we should have gotten off the field. That was disappointed uh, and allowed the touchdown. And I think we learned a nice little lesson as a group, as an individual, that we can't do those things to give ourselves the chance to win. But um, I, like I said, the tempo, uh, the energy level in which we played, I think, was, was 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 pretty good.
2: I think that's pretty much dead on. I would say, uh, and obviously, you know, it's the head coach, he's the one that's got to worry about stuff like that. But the fourth quarter, they talked about the offensive tempo in the fourth quarter. A lot of that, again, a championship team is going to impose its will. That That's one of those learning processes, I think, because when you're trying to get to be elite it's one of the easy things to fall into is the ebb and flow of the game like that you know don't forget starting the fourth quarter San Francisco is down 23-7 so they're in desperation mode they know they pretty much got to score that first possession of the fourth quarter they have or the game is it ain't over but it's not looking real good I mean they've got a window of about five minutes there where they got to score, or else it becomes really problematic. Again, the 15 yard rough and the passer, calling Montez Sweat, kept that, that last scoring drive of theirs going. So I understand why Rivera pointed that out. But again, after the 49ers score that, that touchdown to make it 23 to 15, I mean, everybody knows what's going on. You've got a backup quarterback in there. You're running the ball. You're running the ball on first down. You're running the ball on second down. And you are not throwing a 20-yard crosser over the middle into double coverage on third down to try and get the first. You know, I mean, you're going to throw something short and safe to, if you can't get the first down, at least grind the clock a little more. So, understandable that they, quote-unquote, didn't match the tempo offensively those first couple of series in the fourth quarter. And one thing we've always we have talked about here the last uh, the last few weeks since the team got on the roll is of course the similarities between twenty fourteen when Rivera took the Panthers to an NFC South title with a losing record and this year because it is quite possible that Washington could get into the playoffs at seven and nine although I'm thinking eight and eight is more probable only because. I, I think they can very easily win two of their last three, and quite honestly, I, I think they, they we might be looking at a nine and team because I think this this game is gettable this weekend as well. If Seattle doesn't get off to a fast start, I think this win is very very reachable this weekend. Uh, but Rivera doesn't shy away from the from the comparisons either between his twenty fourteen team and this team this year.
0: Well, when when we got on the roll in 2014. Um, I had asked Dave Gettleman to cut uh, a group of veteran guys that, that really were kind of in the way and stunning the growth of some of our younger players. And uh, and, 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 and Dave did that. Um, and we had talked about you know playing these younger guys. It was just we, we kept falling back to these, these older veteran guys that, that really weren't going to be part of what we were going forward. And so once we did that, and that was after the Minnesota game, um, we played these young guys and their energy levels just raised, rose everybody else's. And that's what we're seeing here is that I think we're feeding off of the energy level of our young players. And I think it's, it, it's helping the veteran guys um, to play with energy. And I think that, that's been one of the big things that has helped us. I, I think both 13 and 14 were a cumulative of, of, of the results of what happened in 15. I don't think we could have gotten to 15 if we didn't have a 13. Um, because the guys kind of, you know, we kind of talked about it as, as being growth because, you know, in, in 13, we didn't win a playoff game. In 14, we won a home playoff game, then went on the road and played well against uh, Seattle. And so that was pretty exciting. Um, and, and then knowing that our nemesis, you know, was Seattle in 15 and we beat them in 15, that, that really kind of helped catapult us going forward. Uh, and then you mix that with a sprinkling of the right kind of vets and, and lo and behold, you're off to the races. And then one thing that I think people to understand too is in 2015, we had 10 guys selected to the pro bowl. Eight of those 10 were guys that were on the 13 team. Um, okay. So only two of them were guys that we had, that we had brought in on 14 and 15. So that kind of showed going forward you know what it means to have a group of young guys develop over a period of time have them play together and then next thing you know you're, you're you're in the Super Bowl you know we've got a group of young guys right now that are playing and we've got a sprinkling of vets and who knows what happens in the next couple of years in terms of us adding selected guys in terms of the draft and free agency so you know we, we've got a ways to go uh, before we start talking about that realistically but You know, this can be one of the springboards going forward, hopefully. But again, we've got three games left. we got to focus in on getting ready for Seattle more so than anything else.
2: Think about where this team is right now, because we all handicapped this schedule when it came out and all through the summer. You know you did. I know I did. We all did it. And when we got to this stretch, Pittsburgh, San Francisco, Seattle, what did we all say? Three straight losses right there before a chance to rebound and win your last two against Carolina and Philly. Think about what this team is on the verge of. And, yes, I know. Pittsburgh was playing on four days rest. Their schedule was all messed up. San Francisco's got 22 guys on injured reserve. Wow. Big freaking deal. Those are still better teams on paper. And, and you know, in Pittsburgh's case, obviously, record-wise – than Washington and Seattle. Again, much better team talent-wise, allegedly. Uh, this team is four quarters away from going 3-0 and against those teams. And if you'd have told me they'd have had a chance to go 3-0 and against them back in the beginning of August or when the schedule was released, uh, I I would have laughed at you. You would have been called the biggest delusional homer out there. But that is exactly what they have a chance to do. So it will be very interesting to see. Also, and we'll talk about this more in the coming weeks, but I don't think anybody wants to get too, too excited about the big picture yet. But when you do look at the big picture, I mean, remember, this is a young team that's making some tremendous strides this year. And... Their schedule next year, uh, they got the AFC West. it It's not that hard. I totaled it up last night. There are five teams, I think, on the schedule that when you get to next year, you'll say those were playoff teams. And they're even going to catch a break with their, you know, their two NFC teams, their whatever place, first place, second place, third place schedule. Uh, they're going to catch a break with that as well. Here's who they've got next year. They've got the NFC West as their, you know, common, their opponent as far as, you know, first, second, third place schedule. So they're where they, those at-large games next year is the NFC West and the NFC North. At home, uh, they've got the NFC South and the AFC West. So, yeah, they're going to have to play the Saints Tampa Bay, and Kansas City. At least they get those at home. They don't have to go to the West Coast next year. Uh, They'll go to Vegas. They'll go to Denver to play the Broncos and the Raiders. That's not bad. That's manageable. And they got the Falcons and the Panthers on their schedule next year. Not huge, uh, tough games. Two teams are going to finish with losing records. So, yeah, they'll get... They'll get the Packers, who could very well be the defending NFC champions or the, the world champions by then. And they're going to get whoever wins the NFC West, and that looks like it's going to be Seattle again or Los Angeles. Um, so is it manageable? Yeah, it's not going to be a huge jump, I don't think, in you know in, in difficulty in schedule next year. Based on what we've seen these last few weeks, but again, it's gonna—it's time to level up. This is definitely a level up game, and we are going to see exactly what this team is made is made of coming up this weekend at one o'clock. Redskins insider Robbie Duncan joining us now, Robbie, I tell you what, the last time we talked, this team was going nowhere. It was one in five. Everybody said, everybody, Ashburn was delusional. Now six and seven, first place in the NFC East. What do you think has been the difference between where we were, say the end of October and where we are now?
3: I think the biggest difference is the attitude. Like, that the team is playing harder. They, you, you can tell that they want it. They've come out of this slump that they started off in and Rivera's for the most part recuperated from his, you know, treatments and all, and he beat cancer. And I think everybody's kind of buying into that and, and, and really been inspired by his fight. Plus Alex Smith leading the charge with his story and how incredible that is. I think it's a lot of factors into just, how hard they're playing and and how motivated they are.
2: I was, you know, I, I started thinking about it a few weeks ago. Everybody has been, and rightfully so, bagging on the NFC East all year, but we've seen a little bit of resurgence from the Giants. And of course what Washington is doing, how much, those two teams both had first year head coaches, Dallas too, and there's injuries there. So that's a whole other thing. But how Mm. much do you think not having OTA's not having mini camps and not having a preseason affected Washington in in how they started this year.
3: I think it definitely played a factor. I, I think Ron has said himself during the beginning of the season where they didn't really have a, a real training camp like they normally did or would have if they, if things were normal. Um, so that I think that definitely played a factor in how they came out rusty. But I think it also played a factor in the in the fact that Ron didn't expect this team to be as good as they are right now i think he had lower expectations he was hoping to see them compete and you know and look good while losing Just, you know and, and then all of a sudden the, this surge happened and the and the rest of the nfc east being not very good he was kind of like oh wow look at this we can we can uh actually win this thing and 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 still build and 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 uh make something, uh, really establish this culture that I want to, uh, bring in here. So I I think a lot of that played into it as well. Maybe expectations should have been a little bit higher when he first came out. Um, some of his decision-making during the games, I think was a little questionable back then because I think he was just trying to keep kids healthy and, and and move on to the next week, but things kind of definitely changed in in that mindset.
2: How much, how much. How much do you buy the fact, I mean, this thought isn't original to me, but I know I've had it since, you know, since the, the I don't know, about the first month of the season and everything, but you got the missed two-point conversion in New York. You've got the, the roughing the passer penalty against Detroit, and then you've got uh, a drive-killing interception that could have gotten them into overtime at home against the Giants. Yep. This team is six and seven on paper. Bill Parcells always says your record, you know, is what your record is. But it, it, are we missing something here? I mean, is it not unreasonable to think that this is maybe a team with eight and five talent as opposed to a six and seven
1: team?
2: I, I mean, I w-
3: maybe not classify it as talent. I mean, I think we got people that are overachieving that may not have that eight and five talent. But I think you're right. in mean, the fact that we they are literally a player or two away from having a better record than six and seven right now. And and that's, that's a testament to, you know, them beating themselves and and being able to win these games that they should And, and, and still being in the, in the place they are now is, is encouraging on top of that. But yeah, certainly if they played better, played smarter at some certain areas, then who knows what their record could have been actually at this
2: point. So how much credence do you, do you put into that? We all looked at the schedule and we said, okay, here's the boom. Here's the soft part of the schedule that's coming up. And, and, you know, they, they quote unquote should be able to go four on one. Obviously they went three and two and then they, now they've won a couple of games that we didn't think they were going to win. But Mm -hmm. when you, you know, the soft part of the schedule, they still had a winning record through there. What does that say? about the team as far as where it is in the hierarchy of the NFL is it just those teams are that much worse than Washington or does it it does it say something that you know if you're a football team of some sort of a competitive level those are the games you're supposed to win
3: I mean I think they are the games you're supposed to win but I mean you've seen it the NFL is a any given Sunday league the Giants can beat the Seahawks. The Reds, or excuse me, the Washington team can, can <laughs> beat the Steelers. It's it, it, and everybody's got injuries, so, so the injury excuse I, I never really want to hear because I mean everyone's banged up. Everyone's always getting hurt. It's always about who steps up and 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 fills in for the next guy and plays. Well, the team will always show up in those situations, and and I think that's what we're seeing with Washington they've had some major injuries they lost Matt Ioannidis Landon Collins while he was necessary he wasn't playing the greatest in the world but he still is a, a good talent and it was a big loss to the defense as well and we, we have a lot of other guys on IR2 everyone's injured so I think it's showing how um deep they are uh, on on their roster and how uh, motivated and, and hungry some of these younger guys are and, and want to uh, win and want to compete and, and make their, make a name for themselves in the NFL, especially with Cameron Curl. I mean, who had any expectations that a seventh round draft pick safety out of Arkansas would have been performing as well as he did in, in replacement of Landon Collins. That, right. That's what makes the NFL so great. You have these guys that just step up and, and, be big impacts on your, on your team.
2: All right. So Seattle this week, uh, we know that this is a level up type of game. Um, What scares you other than the obvious, which is Russell Wilson, when you look at Seattle and do you think, you know, this defense is going to be able to hold up against an offense that has a ton of weapons out there. Mm
3: -hmm. They do have a ton of weapons and, and they have one of the best quarterbacks in the league with Russell Wilson who started off at the MVP level, Uh, I mean, he could have done anything he wanted during that initial stretch, but recently he's been looking a little rattled and and confused out there. So I think that's the the key to beating the Seahawks this coming week is, you know, pressure him and make him make some dumb decisions like he's done recently. But besides Russell Wilson, the person I'm scared of most about most on that offense is DK Metcalf. Um, I don't, I'm don't. i really curious to see what the answer is for, for DK because I'm not sure we have a guy that can match up with him. I mean, most teams don't, but you, you still got to have some kind of answer for DK because he's going to take the top off the defense as big as he is and fast as he is, and it, it's just really, he's going to be really dangerous. And then defensively, you have to have an answer for uh, Jamal Adams. They The Seahawks use him in a lot of crazy ways. They've sent him in blitzes a ton. He's broken the record for most sacks in a season for a DB. And he, he is very dangerous when he's close to the line of scrimmage. So the, the uh, communication and game plan on offense is going to be very important as well.
2: Now, as a former offensive lineman, I know you have been raving about this offensive line on Twitter for the we last have... couple of weeks. Um, yeah. You know, you, and, and you look at it and I think uh, you're very high on Cornelius Lucas, who great, who had a great grade from PFF this week. Um this offensive line has really started to play well since Alex Smith took over as, as the starting quarterback, haven't they?
3: they? They have, and even during the Dwayne stretch, I think a lot of what they were doing was getting overlooked. I mean, they had a rough game against Philadelphia, first game of the season, and a lot of that was due to Wes Martin, who hasn't been playing for many weeks now. And mm-hmm. Wes Schweitzer is really – I think he's the unsung hero, really, of the interior offensive line. Chase Roulier is great, and so is Brandon Sheriff, but Wes Schweitzer, uh, a lot of us didn't have much expectations for him either. You know, we thought he was a JAG free agency signing and a guy that would compete during training camp and hopefully not be bad when he starts, but he's been playing at an extremely high level as well and kind of cemented that left guard spot. I'm not sure what they're going to do in the future with Brandon Sheriff, but they have some options now, and but I, I would li- personally like to keep that continuity going and have Sheriff stay and Rullier stay and keep the same five. And, and I'll, I'll speak on Cornelius Lucas as well. He for many weeks now is uh, the stats show. He hasn't given up any pressures yet, maybe one or twice, once or twice uh, in a couple games earlier, but um, for the most part, he's been a rock solid in pass bro. Um, not the greatest as a run blocker. He doesn't, he's not a, a people mover, so to speak. He's not, He's not a, a a mauler, but he gets the job done. And I put a personal, I personally put a premium on pass protection because uh, you have to have good pass protectors on the O line. So when it so
2: running, when it com- the running game is important too,
3: but the, the passing game and protecting the quarterback is more important. So
2: so when it comes to so when it comes to we were talking about the uh, the uh, you know playing, playing above their heads, overachieving and stuff like that. You think that, and again, because this is your wheelhouse, being yeah. a former offensive lineman, you know, you think that this five across the line is good enough to where you can look in another direction with the first round pick next year. And you don't think it, it has, they have to go offensive tackle with it.
3: I, I, yeah, I personally don't think they have to go into the off season with this huge, like, Oh my gosh, we need a left tackle so bad right now. I don't think they need that. I I think they have a good solid left tackle right now in Cornelius Lucas. He's 29 years old, so he's not a long-term solution, but I think he can hold down the spot with the way he's been playing for many weeks now. I I think we've got a large enough uh, case sample on him to make a a, a good judgment on him. I think he's playing like a starter and a guy we can rely on, Um, so I don't think left tackle is as big of a priority anymore. Sure, you can draft a depth guy later on in the draft, but I don't think you have to burn a first-round draft pick on a left tackle right now. You can use that pick on a, on a linebacker, an impact linebacker that the defense really could use. Um, you could use it on an offensive playmaker, whether it's that Florida tight end Kyle Pitts or mm-hmm. or an elite receiving prospect. You can you have more options now, I think, because of how this offensive line is playing.
2: Hey, that's that's good news, man. Uh, you know, people ought to be encouraged by that. You brought up Dwayne a few minutes ago, so obviously we all saw him come in in the second half. And the one question, the the biggest question I wanted to ask you about that, because everybody is debating now, how did he play and how did he look? And, you know, he looked pretty good in the third quarter and not so much in the fourth quarter as an offensive lineman. So Robbie Duncan is a starting offensive lineman at Old Dominion. His quarterback is Taylor Heineke. You're preparing for whatever game it is that week. And I know there's, you know, there's a little difference between D1 college football and the NFL, but... We always hear about the game plan, uh-huh. the amount of work that a backup quarterback gets. I want How do you view, I want to view Dwayne through the lens of what did he do during the week to get ready for for the 49ers game? Um, you know, how much work does he get? And, you know, how does that impact him on on Sunday?
3: Now, from what I understand, the NFL is a lot more restrictions on what NF, what they can do in practice now during the season and all. So I, I think they don't have the liberty or the, the flexibility to give the second-team guys a bunch of reps. So I, from what I understand, when when they're preparing during the week, it's mostly the ones getting all the reps besides uh, at least that quarterback um, that's the case. So right. I don't think Dwayne got too much of a – Chance to prepare as a starter um, going into that game, so that's when it comes down to just um, for him is doing the film study, doing the stuff off the field that you know that a starter would do, and um, I think that's that's what it's expect that's what's expected of the backups to to know the game plan and know what um, the offense wants to do going into this game, you know what the tendencies are and stuff like that, everything that you can pick up and the scouting report and in the film study. So um, in the NFL, that I think that's about all he can do. And besides, you know, refining his technique, you know, really focusing on fundamentals when you go into the individual drills and stuff.
2: What as a player, when you lose your starting quarterback and the backup comes in, how does that impact the offense? Um, For, for the offensive line, it
3: it doesn't matter too much who's back there because it's still on us to, protect the quarterback. And, and, you know, our mantra is we block for forever. If we give up a sack, whether the quarterback was back there in the backfield for 10 seconds and we still, and and he gets sacked, we don't, as an offensive line, we view that as, you know, we're not doing our job, even though, you know, it's not expected for a quarterback to sit back there for, you know, for 10 seconds or so. (laughs) Um, So it, it doesn't change much for us. We still got our job to do block the guys in front of us, you know, run block, pass block, all that stuff. Um, we just, it's, it's their job to make it easy for whoever's back there to uh, do their job. Well.
2: Um, all right. So Pittsburgh, a win two weeks ago, San Francisco, a win last Sunday, Seattle comes in this week. I know everybody thought that that was a given Zero and three, like you say, that's why it's, it's any given Sunday. You look ahead though, yeah. to this week and, the final two weeks of the season, your prediction, I'll put you on the spot. Where does Washington wind up record wise and do they wind up in the playoffs or just outside?
1: I,
3: I, I, I I believe, I know they can beat the Seahawks because the Giants (laughs) did the the game plans out there and, and it's, they are, the Seahawks aren't the same team that they started off as they have their weaknesses they're not perfect. I, it's a winnable game, but it's also a scary game. So I'm going to err on the side of caution and, and predict that this game will be a loss, but then they'll beat the Panthers and the Eagles the next two weeks. So, so they'll finish eight and
2: eight. A loss, but a loss that you feel good coming out of if you're a fan, right?
3: Yeah. Yeah. That That's one we can afford, but oh. I would prefer to win this game because the Seahawks have been, uh, historically a thorn in our side for whenever we have a uh, playoff hopes. They knock us out of the playoffs a couple times now. And plus, it's, I just, I'm not the biggest fan of the Seahawks in
2: general. <laughs> Pete Carroll's just way too excited for me on that sideline. Uh huh. <laughs> Robbie Duncan, thank you so much for joining us. Before I let you get out of here, uh, give a, give yourself a plug. If people want to, and I highly recommend following Robbie, on game days, especially uh, on Twitter, because he's live tweeting throughout most of the game. Where can folks find you?
3: Uh, you can find me at Twitter at Robbie Duncan OL. Um, that's for offensive line, and um, I try to do breakdowns when I have the time. But with a one-year-old, that does that time comes few and far between. <laughs> um, but I do take. I, I do have a lot, plenty of time to tweet here and there. So uh, I'm definitely sharing thoughts and insights during the week and during uh, games.
2: Absolutely. And I promise you will learn something. If you follow Robbie on Twitter, I know I have. Thank you, my friend. I appreciate it. We shall talk soon. Absolutely. Thanks. Man, we didn't even get to talk about the fact that the Bucs uh, signed Giannis Tenacupo. To a supermax contract today oh well that be there'll be basketball season soon enough talk to you again tomorrow coaches and player interviews from ashburn so we'll see you then remember like the wise man once said if you're on your bike tonight as always to wear white